We approach Memorial Day with so much gratitude, remembering, and also praying for families who have lost a loved one. Pray for people who are serving our country right now as well. And reminder, yeah, that's right. We can give it up. We can, with gratitude, that's right. It reminds me also that the Bible says there's no greater love than to lay down your life uh, for one another. And we have a lot of people who have laid down their lives for the life that we enjoy right now and that ultimate sacrifice as well. We have a family meeting coming up. We do this twice a year and the next one's going to be in two weeks. You say, well, what's a family meeting? A family meeting is where we gather around, we hear vision, we hear ministry updates, we talk about finances. There's also votes as well in the different positions here at the church. So it'll be the 13th, that's a Sunday, after the 1045 service. Uh, be sure to take note of that and join us for the family meeting. Again, just twice a year, so it's coming up in two weeks. Also, we have the baptism over here to my left, and I want to let you know that Scott is going to get baptized this weekend. What we're seeing at Grace is that people are putting their trust in the Lord, and then the next step is to get baptized in water. And Scott just made a decision. His verse is Romans chapter 10. He declared it, verse 9. He said, when you declare with your mouth, you confess it, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Scott just made that decision, and it's a celebration. He knows the Lord now. And the next step, if you know the Lord, the next step is water baptism. So if you're following Jesus, you haven't been baptized yet, check that box so we can connect with you. But we're going to celebrate Scott at 1045 tomorrow, his baptism, and that he knows Jesus. He belongs to the Lord. He's in God's family forever. And the best miracle is the miracle of someone coming to know the Lord. And we're, it's a joy to see that and celebrate that together. Tonight, we're in Haggai chapter 1, and in this series, Listening to God, we've been going through the different minor prophets. They're minor prophets because they're very short books in the Bible. They're timely messages. They're deep messages, both then and now, and we take them to heart. Uh, here in Haggai chapter 1, we're going to see that God speaks and God stirs you. God speaks to you in a personal way, and he also stirs you. And Haggai, you can find uh, on your phone, or if you brought a Bible, turn there. If you ever need a copy of God's Word, let us know. We want everyone to have their own copy of the Scripture. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you with grateful hearts. We don't take for granted a single blessing in our lives. Lord, how you provide for us. We thank you for the people who serve us. God, we pray that you would continue to watch out over uh, those who are serving the military, those who are risking their lives. And Lord, comfort those families who are grieving, who have lost loved ones. Father, we look to you for hope. We look to you for strength. We look to you for joy. We're looking to you. And also our ears are open. God, as we listen to you, we want to take action. We want to glorify you together. Lead us by your Holy Spirit tonight. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. There is a calling on your life. And God is calling you right now. Do you believe that? Do you hear that? Do you want to live that? That's the message of Haggai. That's the message that he brought to the people. 
And it was at a time where the people were in transition. The people were not settled. In one sense, they had returned, but in another sense, spiritually, things were off. Morally, things were off. Now, the context is 520 B.C. and in Jerusalem. Now, when you go back historically, an important date is 586 because the Babylonians came in and it was the two tribes in the south called Judah and they invaded and not only did they take the people into exile, but they also destroyed the temple. And maybe you've had a time in your life where you've lost something significant. Something had been destroyed. Something has shifted that you didn't want to shift. And you find yourself grieving. And maybe you've lost something. And maybe on the inside, if you're honest, you even feel defeated. Have you felt defeated at times the last couple months? There were a lot of people who were feeling defeated at that time. That's who Haggai was going to speak to. But here's some hope in how God started to align some different pieces. The Babylonians were cruel, but they didn't stay in power. The Medes and Persians came in, and the Persians were led, and this is 538, by Darius. Darius made a decree for those Israelites who were in exile that they could now return and rebuild. They could return to their land and rebuild. I want to say that this is a time right now where we are returning to church, not just to keep seats warm, but we are returning to also rebuild. It's both return and rebuild. That was the vision. It was a time where now through Darius, some restrictions were being removed. And we are seeing in the last even couple months, there are more restrictions being removed. We can relate to this theme. Haggai was the first post-exilic prophet. He was the first one coming out of the Babylonian exile that listened to God and spoke to the people. And the message is, we've been in exile, but we're coming back. We're coming back, not just to the land, but we're coming back to the Lord. And we're coming back with a purpose as well, God's purpose, God's calling. We've been in exile, but we're coming back. I feel like that could be a message for the church in 2021. The last 15 months, in many ways, we've been in exile, but we are coming back in Jesus' name. So tonight, your calling as we listen to God together. It's really our calling. And here's four things that you need to know about God's call on your life right now. Here's the first one. There is a calling on your life to build in specific ways. God is calling you to build in very specific ways. Haggai chapter one, verse one. This is a call to build the house of the Lord. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Now, 538, we've mentioned that date. Darius the Persian, the leader, says you can return to the land. 537, Zerubbabel steps in as governor. 536, they lay the foundation of the temple. And now here we are in 520, and you say, well, what's happened? Well, for the last 16 years, they've been stuck. That's right, they laid the foundation 
But for 15 years, they didn't build on that foundation. They were stuck. They were sidetracked. They were distracted. Has God ever placed a vision in your heart? Has God ever placed an assignment? And you just got maybe fear, busyness. You got distracted. Maybe it just, it wasn't time yet. People weren't ready. But you've been holding on to something for more than just one or two years. God has placed something in your heart that's deep, and God's going to be faithful. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it, but they had been stuck. One of the reasons they were stuck is there was opposition. The Samaritans were around, and so they faced opposition. Not every voice that you hear is going to be speaking for the Lord. There's going to be some who are speaking against. And not only that, but we see a lot of people, and it was in verse 2 right here, it's just not the time. A lot of people will say, it's not the time yet. And the truth is, it is the time. Uh, the disciples said, oh, it's four more months and then a harvest. Jesus said, no, the harvest is right now. There's a lot of people kind of sleeping saying, oh, it's not time yet, not time yet. Actually, it really is time. It really is. You don't want to be steps behind the Holy Spirit. When God says this is the time, you don't want to be like, yeah, I don't think it's the time. I don't think it's the time. So they were in the I don't think it's the time mode for a long time. And God was saying, this is the time. This is the time to build. And not everyone is going to build with you. Not everyone is for you. Not everyone is for God's call. They all returned together, but they all weren't ready to build. And you might be surprised. You can't always anticipate. There might be five people next to you, and you think, we're all going forward with the Lord. And then you realize, actually, two of them aren't. And two of them aren't for me. And two of them aren't listening to the Lord. And two of them don't want to. And the excuses just start to pour out. That was the tension, is that many people, they weren't listening to God. They didn't want to move forward. You say, well, why build? Why build? In three words, this is why we build. The three words are, the Lord Almighty. Those are the three words. Why do we build the Lord Almighty? 14 times in the book of Haggai, the Lord Almighty. Don't miss that repetition. The Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty. Go ahead and let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. That's why we build. That's all we need to know right there. The Lord Almighty means the Lord of the armies, the heavenly host, the one who reigns above, the one who's in control, the one who's the ultimate benevolent authority. The Lord Almighty, that's all I need to know. I'm not listening to everyone else's report. I'm listening to the Lord Almighty. And if he says build the temple, then it's time to build the temple. Why was the temple significant? It's a symbol of God's presence. It's a symbol of God's glory. It's a symbol of God's strength. It is a witness to the world. This is his temple, and he says to build the temple. Well, what has God called you to build? He's called you to build more than just a church building. When I think of this church building, I'm so grateful for what we have. I think there is a little more work to be done, but I'm so grateful for what we have. And God has called us to build a lot more than just a building. Here's a couple things. What is the vision God has asked you to build? How about the family God has given to you to build them up? What projects has God given to you? What roles or jobs? What roles has he placed you to serve? How about in the community? How do you build people up? How do you build people up? What about a message that God wants you to build? Dreams he's placed in your heart 
rescues that God wants you to build up and ultimately build up his kingdom. All these different things are building up his kingdom. That's the golden thread. So listen to God and what he's asking you to build up. Now, it could be a mindset. In terms of building, sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we're looking back. And the Apostle Paul shared this. In Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, we get a glimpse at the life, the story, the mindset. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, because none of us have arrived at the goal yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a calling on our lives. There is a pressing on in not, you know, forgetting what's behind, that doesn't mean that you're never going to remember anything in the past, okay? You're going to remember things in the past. It doesn't mean you can totally forget everything in the past. It doesn't mean you should totally forget everything in the past. But what it means is the past isn't going to have control. I'm not going to get over fixated on the past. In Paul's past, he killed Christians. There was a lot of sin in his life, but God's grace abounds. You know, in the past, there was a lot of pain. He was mistreated, misunderstood. He was thrown in jail. He was beaten. There's a lot of things in his past that he could just be weighed down and give too much power. And because of that, just stop. Sometimes if we have a lot in our past, it can over-influence us right now and we don't move forward. And Paul says, there's a calling on my life and by the grace of God and God's healing in the past, God's grace in the past. Whatever I can learn from the past is good. Whatever I can be grateful for the past is good. But I'm going to press on because there's a calling on our lives. We are going to heaven. We've got work to do. We're going to build until we finally get home. And we're not there yet. We're not perfect yet. We have not arrived yet. So we're going to press on. And I think that's Haggai's heart. Let's build. Let's build. Is anyone in? <laughs> and people are starting to say, I'm in. I'm in. We're in. We're in too. Yep, we're in over here. Okay. Over here. In. We're in. Let's build. Let's build. Let's build then. Who's in? Let's build. That's the message. God has called you to build. It's time to build. Now, let's move to the second part of the calling. The calling is full of love and will include sacrifices. This calling will include sacrifice. Starting in verse 3, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your full. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in your purse with holes in it. Now, the prophet Haggai is going from preaching to meddling right here. And prophets don't fear people. They fear God. And so they will come alongside of people and speak truth in love. And that's what he's doing here. Ultimately, Haggai is addressing the elephant in the room. Have you ever been in a room where there's an elephant? Have you ever seen it where no one wants to talk about the elephant? 
And then somebody brings up the elephant. Everybody knows the elephant's in the room, but everyone's trying to walk around the elephant, pretend like there is no elephant, not talk about the elephant. And Haggai essentially says, I'm here to talk about the elephant. And everyone's like, what? And here's the elephant. There's more selfishness than love in the room. There's more selfishness and self-centeredness than there is love in the room. Now, that's a little bit to take in right there. You know, uh, I think back to Mark chapter 14. There's a woman worshiping Jesus, and we just sang about this, and she pours out this oil, this expensive perfume. And you know what the people are thinking? You know what people say? What a waste. What a waste. That's more than a year's wages. And Jesus steps in and says, why are you bothering this woman? What this woman has done is wonderful. Now, why does Jesus commend her? More than a year's wages poured out? I mean, there is a sense where he's anointed even for burial. He's honored. He's worshiped. Why? Because in her heart, she knows Love includes sacrifice. And so she brings her love, and she pours out her love. She pours out her oil. Why? Because she loves the Lord, and she gets criticized for it. Why? Because in their hearts, there's more hoarding. There's more selfishness than love. And so we have the two hearts clashing, and Jesus commends the one who pours out her love and her oil and her sacrifice. Now let's come back to this context with Haggai. We have a tangible expression because what's in the heart is always expressed tangibly. It's always expressed through our actions, our purchases, our words, whatever's in your heart comes out. And for these people, what was revealed in their heart is that their priority was their own house, not God's house. Their priority was very clear. And if you want to know people's priorities, go beyond the words. You can tell anyone's priorities by two things, their calendar and their credit card bill, right? Where do we spend our money and where do we spend our time? And then it doesn't matter what words you put on top of that because your priorities are already evident. And so that's where the priorities were. It was in their paneled house. Now, that's a cedar house, cedar shakes. I want to make it very clear, it is not wrong to have a house with a nice roof. It is not wrong to have money. It is not wrong to have a nice house. It is not wrong to have cedar shakes. So let's not twist this interpretation somewhere that would be way off. Uh, it's a blessing to have finances. Home repair projects, there's nothing wrong with a home repair project. So let's not get legalistic about this interpretation. But what we have here is people who say the Lord is my number one. He's my love. He's first in my life. But then their actions and really their heart was something very different. And it wasn't so much about the temple. It's not like God's out of money. And, you know, where's God going to find resources for the temple? The neglect of the temple was symbolic of something much deeper and more significant. It was neglect of the relationship with God. Because of neglecting the relationship with God, they didn't have a passion for God's house in the temple. And because they didn't have a passion, they just focused on themselves and their houses and how can we get nicer and nicer panels. I want to point out this. I am so grateful that over a million 
Americans have laid down their lives so that we have what we have. That tells me that a million Americans weren't thinking about how fancy the panels are on their house. They were thinking about what's best for our nation. Amen? Uh, I'm so grateful for the sacrifices that have been made at Grace Community Church since the 1950s. For decades, people in our church family were thinking about this house and this church family and God's work in Auburn. And not just, if they were just focused on their own house panels, we wouldn't have the ministry we have today. Wouldn't be here. I'm so grateful for the parents and grandparents in the room who continually, sacrificially, in love, give to their kids and their grandkids and serve. And do you think a few panels were given up on finances, on preferences, on time? Do you think a few things were sacrificed by parents to build up the next generation? Absolutely. You see, where there's love, there's sacrifice. And it's not just lip service. What you see is a consistency. When someone says, this is my priority, it's how they live. And for 15 years, the foundation was laid, but there was no temple. And they were stuck because their hearts were stuck and their priorities were stuck. And that's why Haggai says, give careful thought to your ways. He says it four times in the book. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Listen to the Lord. What's he saying? How is God moving right now? And how can this reflection lead to action? Reflection is good. We need to slow down a busy culture. But reflection should lead to action. There was a futility for the people, even though their houses were looking better than ever. There was an emptiness, and they just couldn't find that contentment, couldn't find that satisfaction. There was just a futility there because they were ignoring their spiritual lives, and complacency set in. How many people have noticed the cottonwood just floating around? Yeah, have you noticed that? This is the time of the year, you know, last few weeks, where you just see the cottonwood everywhere. And I remember about, I don't know, 10 days ago when I first noticed it, it was like it was snowing cottonwood everywhere. And and maybe some of you are still in that mode, but for what happened to me since then is I started to kind of get used to it. And now I'm not even thinking about it as much. I just walk through it, drive through it. It's like I noticed it at first. Now it's not such a big deal as much for me. Now, uh, I say that because in a culture, the selfishness started. And when you first see a selfishness, it's like, what? It's like, we're all going to neglect God's temple. We're all going to build up our own houses. It's like, what's going on? And then pretty soon, it just keeps going that way and going that way. And 15 years later, it's just after 15 years of cottonwood, it's like, I don't see anything wrong. Yeah, cottonwood everywhere. This is fine. This is great. We're just doing cottonwood. No problem. Well, the cottonwood seeds, notice they have to leave home. I read this week that they travel up to 20 miles. That cottonwood's traveling 20 miles. Because I was looking around our neighborhood a little while back, and it's like, I don't see the tree. And I don't see the tree. It left home, and it went a long ways. You think about exile. They started on Jerusalem. They went into exile. They went a long ways. But there's a calling. There's a purpose. There's a destiny on those seeds. And it's not just to float around. And your destiny is not just to go into exile, leave home, float around. No, when it lands... 
when it lands on solid ground, it can grow quickly, as quickly as any other tree. It can grow 50 to a 70 feet high. It is a, when it's solid ground, it, it'll grow. And you can either kind of float like they were floating and be kind of self-centered, and where do I want to go next, and what do I want to do next? And or, you know, you can come, Jesus, one seed in the ground, his life, salvation for many. And the Bible is very clear. You either float all about yourself and not many lives are influenced or you love and you sacrifice and when that seed goes in the ground, there is fruit and there's a tree and so many are going to be blessed. So the heart of their decision is the heart of our decision. And Haggai says, give careful thought to your ways. Now this leads to the third part of the calling. The calling includes a community of people and a quality of work. A community of people and a quality of work, starting in verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of the heavens, they've withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Again, God moved in the heart. We say prophet, priest, king. The governor, the priest as well, the prophet, all three, God moves in their heart. The people respond together and it says they feared the Lord. Fear the Lord, honor the Lord, love the Lord, worship the Lord. It all is one package. Love the Lord, fear the Lord, honor the Lord, worship the Lord, serve the Lord. It's the package. That's where they return. They were going to abide again. They want to glorify the Lord together. You know what's powerful is when God starts to move in a group of people, and you know what starts to swell? We want to glorify the Lord together. We want to listen to the Lord. We want to bring the Lord glory in the land. And that was starting to rise. I, I mean, there's one sense sometimes when it's kind of like, I don't know, are we glorifying the Lord? And then there's kind of like, yeah, I think I want to. Uh, I'll glorify the Lord a little. A little? A little more? Okay, a little more. And then there's, I want to glorify the Lord. I want to see his glory in the land. And when that starts to become the culture and that starts to become contagious, that's what we see here in the book of Haggai. Now, they purchased cedar from Lebanon and so they had, you know, the best cedar. It's interesting that God says, go up into the mountains. Now, we don't know exactly what happened here. Maybe they took that cedar that was going to be designed for God's house, and maybe they started to use that on their own houses. I don't know. But it appears that they ran out, and they needed to go up to the mountains and get some more. It's time to roll up the sleeves and go and get some more and serve the Lord. Uh, I encourage you when you're serving the Lord, uh, don't make excuses, don't skip, don't do shabby work. No, they're going to go get the timber. They're going to go get this to serve the Lord. And uh, 25 times in the book of Haggai, he brings the message the Lord says. 
the Lord says. So there's no doubt. The Lord says, right? It's time to build. The Lord says, the Lord says, this is a prophet who's listening to God and he's bringing a message from the Lord. He wanted to reassure the people that this is from the Lord. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this together. And what you see is a community of people that respond. Paul wrote to different uh, churches, communities of people who are following and love Jesus. Look what he wrote to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, and starting in verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. There it is again. I mean, throughout the Bible, you have a calling. Right now, you've got a calling. Live a life worthy of the calling you've already received. Character, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, guard the unity. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You see God's heart for united communities, following Jesus, serving together, loving each other. And I think that's why in verse 8 we see the phrase, the Lord may take pleasure in it, may take pleasure in it. Do you sense the pleasure of the Lord during the week? I mean, sometimes without doing anything, just because he's made you in his image and he loves you, you sense his pleasure. Just sitting still, you sense his pleasure, his delight in you. And then sometimes when you're active, when there's community and those close relationships, you sense that unity, you sense his pleasure. When you roll up your sleeves and use some of the gifts and talents, whether it's in the community, at work, at home, at church, you start to sense his pleasure, like he made you to do this for such a time as this. This is what he wants you to do. And God wanted the people to sense that he was pleased. And you see that connection that's so strong. When you think about our community in our church family, I want to do something here, put something up on the screen that is a list of ministries at Grace. We've been highlighting different ministries, and you probably noticed this, like for over a month. We've been talking about different ministries and kind of more one at a time. And I thought it might be helpful instead of just the trees to kind of step back and look more at the forest. And these are all ministries you might hear about at Grace. Alphas, gathering of people who are brand new or just hearing about Jesus and curious about Jesus. We've got care teams, people that will help, people that will pray, people that do work. Uh, classes to uh, grow in certain skills or knowledge, communications, that's with one another, elders and deacons, facilities, Grace Adopts, a lot of families have adopted. We have the Grace Cafe ministry opening up again very soon, Lord willing. Grace Library, Grace Loves Auburn, serving our community. Grace Moms, Moms with Young Children, international partners, over 40, international students, Life groups, over 50 life groups, marriage investors, mentoring, couples, media ministry, uh, memorials that we have here, and even from the community that come. Men's ministry, next generation, uh, that's birth through the end of high school. Uh, prayer ministries, prison ministries. Now, there's some ministries like prison that have been on hold during COVID. You know, there's some that are fully going. A lot of these are going, but prison's one of those that we're praying the doors will open. Doors will open to prison. Uh, security ministry here, tech ministry, ushers and greeters, women's ministry, worship and arts, young adults, young at heart, seniors. Weekends are when we all gather, but I I just wanted to put this up this week so you kind of get a vision of how is God moving? What are the different ministries at the church? 
What are the different opportunities to serve? How is God stirring you? What would it look like to serve in one of these ministries? If you have that desire this weekend, you can text the word serve. You can do it right now. That's the church phone number, 253-833-5660. You just text serve. You'll get information. You say, well, what are the needs? What are the ministries? I just wanted to make sure it was so clear, especially on this topic too. It just seemed timely that it fits with this message. Now, here's something interesting. I was, uh, you know, in a conversation with some of the team this week, and in terms of just names of people who are entered in and being involved at Grace, I think it was like well over 3,000, right? So well over 3,000, you know, coming on a weekend, you know, just involved at Grace at different things. So well over 3,000. Now, how many do you think are serving, actively serving at Grace? Uh, and, and by the way, it's awesome to serve in your family where you live, work, learn, or play, your community. I'm not saying this is the only place to serve, but how many people do you think are serving here at Grace in the numbers about 400? So imagine that. There's over 3,000 involved and about 400 are serving right now. Now, I'm not trying to do any kind of drive-by guilt if you're not actively serving, but I wanted, again, to give the bigger picture at Grace that during COVID, you know, a lot of people couldn't serve. A lot of people, there was no opportunity and, and health restrictions and different things. But as we come back and as we regather, and in this time, you say, wow, 400 people serving, over 3,000 here um, involved. What would happen if that number... Instead of being at, and I didn't do exact math, 12%, I don't know. What happened if we had 800 people serving? Imagine if it doubled. Could you even picture the impact? If 800 people said, you know what, God's given me gifts, I want to serve at the church. Do you know we wouldn't be stuck right now by, ha by having a need for a lot of kids' classes? We wouldn't be stuck on 50 life groups. We could launch 100 life groups. You know, if you doubled the number of people serving, do you know how much could happen at Grace Community Church this year? Now, I'm just saying this to, to lay out an opportunity. Imagine if half the people, half the people that are involved in coming and attending said, you know what, I want to serve. 1,500 do you know what we could do in the community? Do you know what we could do for the next generation? Do you know how we could reach the nations? Do you know what would happen in the media ministry? Do you have any idea what would happen if half the people said, I'm in, I want to serve? It would be so powerful. I just lay out that vision because our church is not just about the staff serving more. It's like, mm, can we get the staff to jump from 40 to 60 to maybe 70 hours? That is not the vision of the church. The staff equipping, encouraging, setting it up so that together, God's people, full of God's spirit, wherever we go during the week, live, work, learn, or play, and also in the church, we are serving together for the glory of God. And that's a vision to give some thought to. Give careful thought to your ways. And what an opportunity now just not only to return to church, but to rebuild 
a ministry. Every church is doing this right now. Every church is thinking, how do we rebuild? Who's coming back? Who's rebuilding? And, and, and how could we rebuild together? Every pastor I know is talking about this right now. Haggai, they were in the same situation, coming back from exile, and, and this is what happened in the book of Haggai. There was a heartfelt response. It wasn't like, okay, Haggai wants me to. Oh, yeah, it's probably the right thing. There was a heartfelt response of like, yes, I want in. God's going to do something special in this season, and I don't want to be a spectator. Being a spectator isn't so satisfying. But rolling up my sleeves with a community of people that want to bring a quality of work, not just like, yeah, I show up, sometimes I don't. I'm kind of going to do this. It wasn't that great, but hey, it's better than nothing. Not that spirit. A spirit of for the Lord, together, I'm in. I'm in. And you see what happened in this book because God moved in their hearts. Here's the fourth part about the calling. The calling of God is God's presence as he stirs your spirit and equips you. The focus is on God's presence, not the rebuilding. The primary focus is on the presence of God, the Lord Almighty. Look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came, and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. God's presence, God's plan. Do you know God's plan is still to work through local churches? It's not only through local churches. I believe the homes need to be vibrant. But there is a reason why there's churches all over the land. It's because in the Bible, God's very clear. Local churches, one family around the world, but local churches that have leadership like elders who are humble and united and lead by example and church families that walk together. God's plan is to shine his light and love through local churches. Now, he both equips and stirs, equips and stirs. For equipping, just think about how much God has given to you. I wrote down a few things to think about. All the provision that he's given to you, all of the skills, all of the experience, the knowledge, all of the mentors he's provided for you, all of the times that he's given you strength, uh, so much. I mean, equipping, God gives and he gives and he gives. God gives you the Holy Spirit. So you're not alone. Don't have to do it on your own strength. God equips us. That's what he does. But not only does he give us all these resources and equips us, but he stirs our spirit. What does that literally mean? It means to move the heart, to move the heart. In Ezra chapter one, verse five, God stirred their spirits to return to the land. First, God moved their hearts in Babylon, moved their hearts to move their feet to return to Jerusalem. He stirred their spirit. He moved their hearts. 50,000, Darius said, could come back. And God stirred those people to come back to the land. But here he stirred their spirits a second time. He moved their hearts a second time. We sang earlier today, God, what's going to move your heart? And that's a response. That's worship. 
First, God moves our hearts. First, he moves their hearts so that they're going to build a temple in faithfulness that moves his heart. It's what God cares about. God, what breaks your heart? God, what are your priorities? God, who are the people that you want me to love like you love? And so God moves our hearts so that we will be faithful, and then it moves his heart. When Stephen's martyred for the faith, Jesus is moved. He's not sitting down. He stands up. Stephen moved Jesus' heart. You move the heart of the Lord. He moves your heart. You respond in faithfulness. That moves God's heart. God, what's going to move your heart today? Because that's what I want to be all about. And the people hear the message of the Lord through Haggai, and there's a response. You know, some prophets, the people don't respond. Haggai, the people responded. And it wasn't, it was a quick response. That's what I'd say. It's a quick, united response of here we go. After many, many years of being stuck and sidetracked and selfish, the people stepped in and said, this is the time. Uh, we're going to go into this next week, but the temple's completed by 515. The temple isn't completed by 515 B.C. unless God moves the people's hearts and the people respond to God. It was more than just a building. It was the mission to glorify God through a temple, but beyond the temple, and to glorify God. For his glory, the people moved. I want to, as we wrap up, I want to give you, uh, again, mindset. A lot of times in our culture, when something is so, so good, we say a win-win. Like, it's a win for you, it's a win for me. I think collaboration's powerful. The longer I'm in ministry, I think it's partnerships and collaboration. And so often in collaboration, the language is win-win. Win-win. <laughs> and that is good. But, but I want you to really embrace win-win-win. The three wins. Because I think that's the fullness. What, is the three, what are the three wins here? The first win is for the individual. That instead of being focused on self, instead it's going to shift, repent, and it's going to be serving. It's going to be part of a community in love. It's going to be using gifts and serving in that connection. And that's so much more fulfilling than just to sit back and things are stuck. The church isn't doing that great. Oh, well, I wonder what's going to happen next. Feeling a little defeated, a couple excuses. That's not fulfilling. That's not it. So the first one is in the individual hearts. Uh, so that's important. The second one, as the temple's built, you know who it blesses? Nations and generations. And I'll tell you, when we unite and we serve, I'll tell you who will be blessed, future generations and the nations. It's how God works. When his people unite and they serve, this is who's blessed, future generations and the nations. If we step up and serve together, you cannot stop what God will do in future generations and the nations. So that's a significant second win. But here's the greatest win. It's God is glorified. God is glorified in the land, not when his building's falling apart, not when his people are, you know, in selfish mode. No, God is glorified when his people are abiding and trusting him and living for him and worshiping him and spreading his love everywhere. And not just in that temple they built, but wherever they're going, they're abiding. That brings God glory. And so if I have an opportunity that brings God glory, that blesses the nations, blesses the future generations, and it's good for my own soul, I don't want to hold back from that. That's where I want to be. Win, win, win. That's where we want to live. That's where we want to be as a church. 
And I think Haggai is laying out that vision. Uh, what is the church? In one sense, I believe the church is a service center. It's a service center. You say, well, where do we get that from? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for us. Uh, a church isn't a place where it's mandatory. You've got to do A, B, and C. We don't say that to anybody. That's not the spirit of it. But it's, wow, we get to serve Jesus? This is a service center. Like, why do we come? We're not consumers who pull out our scorecards and go, ah, oh, that was B minus, that's a C plus. Okay, I'll give that an A minus. <laughs> no, that's not the heart of a worshiper. A heart of a worshiper is to come and serve. And you come to life when you serve. You, you just come to life. It's what you're made to do. It's how God made you. Now, I'm not saying self-neglect, and I'm not saying no self-care, and I'm not saying, no, no, no. Uh, love others as you love yourself. It, it's, you know, it, it's love all around. I'm not talking low self-esteem, and, you know, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a heart to serve, to worship the Lord through service. And when that returns at a church, well, it's a service center. And if um, we serve each other, it starts to move on, and now we're serving the community, and we're serving beyond. But it really does start with service. They're coming back from exile. We've been in exile, I think in a lot of ways, more than I can remember the last 15 months the church has been in exile. I mean, restrictions, building clothes for time, isolation. I mean, some people have needed to be more isolated. Sometimes it's been really wise for safety reasons. But it's hard to be spread out. It's hard to be isolated. We've felt exile recently. But what's the message of Haggai? We're coming back. We're ready to rebuild. And, and if you just pause now, give careful thought to your ways, if you're willing to close your eyes, and give careful thought to your ways. What is the Lord saying? The phrase I was hearing at the end of this message, do you see what it can be? That was the phrase. I wanted to share that with you. Do you see what it can be in your own life? Do you see what it can be in our church family? Do you see what it can be? Do you hear what the Lord says? What do we hear for this year? What do we hear for this year? Where's that number, around 400? Where's that going to be at the end of the year? Where's that going to be? What is the Lord doing to move our hearts and stir us for his glory? Father God, we give you praise as we listen to you together. What a joy that we can say without a doubt there is a calling on our lives. Your calling on our lives and God, we thank you that you didn't make us uh, by accident or random, but you've placed us right here. You've given us gifts. You've given us resources and opportunities. In some ways, God, we really do feel like we're coming out of exile, but we're here, we're listening, we're ready to build. And God, we pray that what happens in 2021 will be far beyond what any of us could anticipate. We're giving careful thought to our ways. We're listening to you. And we're abiding together, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Yo, subscribe to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.